Welcome to the Sleepers and Keepers Fantasy Hockey Podcast, part of the Hockey News Podcast Network. This is episode four. I'm your host, Jason Chen, and joining me is my co-host, Michael Amato. Mike, how are you doing? Doing well, Jason. How are you? How are you doing? Good, good. It's a nice little Sunday for us. Um, season is a week away. I'm so excited. A little Fast more than a week. Yeah. I know. It's going to be here before you know it. So much is happening already. Preseason I know. Two. I know. First, we get Thanksgiving, then we get opening night. So it's kind of like one big giant weekend holiday. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. I, I'm happy hockey's back in preseason form, but uh, we need the real real games to start. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about in this episode. We're previewing the Atlantic Division. It's the last of our four previews. Uh, as always, we'll go in alphabetical order. Boston Bruins, right off the bat. Do you like their new jerseys or no? <laughs> I love them. The whites you're talking about. Or both, yeah. like they got a whole new set. Yeah, like they got the retro. Well, not the retro, but like the nineteen twenty four set, and then the new black and gold set. Yeah, I saw them wearing the whites the other night. They they looked really sharp. Yeah, um, they looked sharp. I thought there would be too many stripes on the sleeves, but not so bad. No, it, it looked really good. So that, that's one uh, one positive for the Bruins already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's one positive. <laughs> Speaking of looking good, uh, who is there going to be their number one center? Uh, I would think it's probably Zaka by default, yeah. Pavel Zaka. Um, yeah. Pretty good year for him last year. Quietly, 57 points, I think. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he looked decent um, sort of down the lineup last year. Obviously, by default now with Bergeron and Krejci gone, he's going to get moved up. Um, Coyle is obviously there as well. I think what's interesting with the Bruins is how are they going to deploy their top six wingers are they going to play Pasternak and Marshawn together with Saka because that would really boost his value obviously Um, and if they split them then Coyle probably has some value as well he's going to maybe be playing with Marshawn I would think so it'll be interesting to see what they do I'm sure they will stack that top line at times even if they don't um, do it consistently so I think I think both guys are are worth a look Um, Coyle may be more of a wait and see but I think Saka is definitely draftable I think whoever has more fantasy value, it's totally because they're playing with Pasternak. Yeah. It's the only reason they would have any fantasy value. Charlie Coyle, I mean, they had Bergeron Krejci last year, but he was definitely a bit of a defensive specialist. Uh, only, what, 33% of his starts were in the offensive zone. Actually turned out to be like a really good penalty killer. Uh, 45 points, all even strength, no power play compared to Zaka, who had eight power play points. Um, I'm of the belief that if Zaka is the number one center, I think that makes him a pretty sneaky mid-round pick. But I'm just not sure. Um, if you watch him play on the Devils, and granted, he kind of have a different role, but he doesn't strike me as a player that has that playmaking ability. So if that is the case, and he's playing with Pasternak, do you downgrade Pasternak a little just because he doesn't have like a Krejci playing with him? Of course. Yeah. Like I, I did do that in my rankings. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean like he's, you know, you, you he's not going to be awful. Yeah. yeah you're not going to shy away from uh, <laughs> David Pasternak, but you know, maybe he doesn't get 60 goals this year. Maybe he's closer to 50 because obviously you can't lose Krejci and Bergeron mm-hmm. and get better. It's impossible. But I do think, I, I just think the Bruins have no choice, right? Like who else, yeah. if it's not Zaka, like who is it really? They don't have, a fit there. I think their only other option is um, if there is some kind of a trade, you know, we, we've seen. Yeah. They're um, very thin down the middle. Like, yeah. Very like like we, we've seen rumors about uh, Elias Lindholm or Mark Shifley. Like, I, I don't know if the Bruins have the cap space or the prospect capital to make a trade like that, but that would be the only thing I could see bumping 
Zaka out of there. And if mm-hmm. nothing else, Zaka's power play one time should increase a lot this year. Yeah, I feel like he's going to be on there for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, based on that, what's your outlook for the Bruins? I mean, that's going to affect their goaltending depth too and their the quality of their goaltending. They're not going to have the, the best two-way center ever, arguably in our NHL history on their team. Uh, Krejci demands a lot of attention too. Um, they lost a lot of some defensive depth. They didn't re-sign Dmitry Orlov. Uh, Bertuzzi was was uh, not re-signed either. So where do you see Taylor the Hall. Yeah, all those guys. Well, I've been saying for about five years now the Bruins are going to regress. <laughs> so I'm no longer doing that, even though... Did you say uh, they were going to regress beginning of last year too? Oh, 100%. I mean, uh, <laughs> McAvoy was out for the first couple months. Marshawn was uh, missed some time too. So it felt like they were going to take a step back and they arguably had one of the best seasons in NHL history. So I'm done doubting them, but it's hard to imagine, you know, like even if you just base it on last year's numbers, like how could like they not regress, right? Yeah, like agreed. Especially, especially Allmark. Like there's yep. no way Allmark's going to continue to, to post numbers like he did last year. Those type of, uh, you know, the winning record he had, like he barely lost any games last year. I just don't see that happening. I've actually, Allmark for me is actually one, guy that i think is going to be drafted way too high um, agreed because of last year and he's, he's probably going to split time almost down the middle again with swayman so you're getting yeah. somebody that doesn't have the volume and his numbers are probably going to drop so i don't know i think it's there i think they're a team that all signs point to them taking a step back but we'll see i think there's still there's still talent there obviously with pasternak marshawn mcavoy if they can get some goaltending again they'll mm-hmm. still probably be in contention but i don't see any way they're going to be as strong as last year it's yeah it's a really tough division too yeah and there's no one really on their roster that could surprise you could maybe say hey jake debrusque might score 30 goals but at the same time there's no high profile prospect that can really come in and make a huge difference yeah um in my latest rankings i downgraded Allmark a little bit put swimming up just because like you i think we're gonna see more of a even split in net and I agree. I had Boston actually out of the playoff picture when I did my predicted standings. So we'll see what happens. I think they're a really interesting team. Um, definitely Marchand's going to drag that team, you know, into battle every single night, but without well, any help. Yeah, it's it's interesting because if you look at Tampa, and we'll get to them later, they've obviously lost some, some key names and Vasilevsky's hurt now. Florida, for as good as their run was last year, they barely made the playoffs and they're going to be missing their, their two top defensemen um i don't think montreal or detroit are really quite there yet i think ottawa and buffalo could make some noise this year maybe more so buffalo so as bad as it is looking for the bruins i think there's still a lot of like it's competitive but it's also wide open in a sense to me so we'll see right on cue buffalo i think the big question is in net as well devon levi versus uko peko lukanen um, I definitely think UPL has the more fun name to say, but <laughs> I feel like going to camp, the Sabres were pretty committed to Levi being their number one. And yeah. throughout the preseason, it seems like they're still committed to him as number one, no matter like he would have needed to implode to lose that starting job. And it looks like he's going to be the number one guy going into the season. I think so. I, I've also heard people say that um, they kind of, that was one of the things that got him to kind of come to the Sabres and and leave college was they sort of committed to, to giving him an opportunity to start. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though, you know, it it wouldn't be shocking um, to see him play in the AHL a bit, because that might Mm -hmm. help him. Uh, Goalies of that age, it's really hard to really hard to kind of get a foothold in in the NHL. And and I know he looked good 
a little bit down the stretch last year, but it was only a few games. So um, I do think if you're drafting a goalie from Buffalo, you're going to want to grab Levi. I think he's going to get the first crack mm-hmm. at things there. And they're a really interesting team, right? Like I kind of compare them to where the Devils were last year, mm-hmm. you know, kind of on the come up. And all of a sudden they're just like this 105, 110 point team. Um, and if mm-hmm. the Sabres are that, whoever's in net is going to be really valuable. Um, yeah. So I, I think if you're going zero G and you're taking a late goalie or mid to late goalie, I think Levi is a good bet. Yeah. So AHL Rochester is not that far away. I can see a lot of paper transactions. Keep in mind, Eric Comrie still part of the rotation, but I think he's a number yep. three in that rotation right now. Um, now with Levi and Lukanen, um, I do think if you draft Levi, maybe you should draft Lukanen as well because he's going to get his starts as well. It's really hard to trust goalies over a full season. They just get hot and cold all the time. Um, now, my worry is the Buffalo defense. So last season, they could score at will, basically. But defensively, not that good. Uh, does that worry you in regards to their goaltending stats? It does. And, and I think when you're drafting these guys, like you mentioned the tandem, I think a lot of mm-hmm. that will have to do with how confident you are in the Sabres this year. Like, are they a playoff team in your mind? Are they going to be better defensively? Because, you know, if you're drafting these guys and they're not – getting as many wins and they're winning games, you know, six, four, that's, that's not really ideal. So I think, you know, I sort of talked about the devil's comparisons you really have to believe that the Sabres are going to make a jump. I think to grab both those guys. I don't think the Sabres are going to make the jump like the devils did. Cause I see, I look at that defense and I don't see it. Like Eric Johnson is potentially their number two shutdown guy behind Matias Samuelson. I mean, that's tough. I, I think the devils had a much sneaky, good defense, um, I thought Siegenthaler was really underrated. John Marino was really good. So we'll see. I just think they have the offensive firepower. That's for sure. And if you throw oh, Zach do. Benson in there, I mean, they're scoring six, seven goals a game. Yeah, there's no shortage of, of talent there for sure. And who knows, maybe even Patrick Kane when he's ready to go. There's been whispers about that too. He <laughs> signs there. I, I kind of hate it when these like veterans like join the team midway through the season because it just in experience, it just seems like it never meshes that well. Well, it's probably smart for him to wait, get himself healthy. Well, yeah, he's coming he's off old. hip surgery, so yeah. yeah, and he's older. It might even just, you know, he doesn't need to play 82 games. Um, so I'd probably look at a team that's poised to make the playoffs and make his choice. But I think he'd be fun in Buffalo. But it's just hard to find the ice time for everyone, right? So, like, yeah. J.J. Paterka is it coming in. Jack Quinn's going to be coming into the season at some point. He got hurt a lot, or early last year. Um, so we'll see what happens with that one. But I, I do think Buffalo is really exciting. Yeah, they are. Um, goaltending is going to be like a big theme in this division because I think for Detroit as well, their season hinges on Billy Huso. I find this guy totally untrustworthy. Yeah. I think on a scale of uh, he's on the same similar like spectrum as Vitek Vanacek, mm-hmm. where like you might be able to trust him for a little bit when, he, but when he implodes, it's going to be ugly. Yeah, and I think Detroit's another team. You know, not the greatest defensively. Um, if you go back a couple of years ago, you remember how good Alex Nadelkovich looked in Carolina, and then he got to <laughs> Detroit, and his numbers plummeted. Um, Huso's numbers plummeted last year, so it's an uphill climb there for him. Uh, Rymer's there now, who actually has a decent track record of posting some good numbers on bad teams outside of last season. Um, probably only played on bad teams this entire time. Yeah, so Except for the Leafs, I think. That's so. an interesting signing um, for them. But yeah, it, it probably will, right? Like Detroit's, again, I don't think they're quite 
where the Sabres are on their sort of rebuild. I think they're maybe half a step behind Buffalo, but they do have, they do have some talent. Uh, the Red Wings do have some talented players there. Um, I think they could, you know, potentially they've just, step, but they've just signed too many veterans. Like, yeah, it's hard to see how the roster shakes out because you guys ha- you have like Jonathan Bergrand coming in, and then you sign Comfer and all these guys, and you're like, well, where does the ice time go? And then on defense, they brought in Gossespierre and Petrie, and it's Justin great. That you, yeah, you added all these guys, but I mean, at some point, you're gonna need Ed Vincent in there. Um, you're going to give a lot of ice time to all these um, prospects they're bringing up. And I don't know. It, it seems like they're stuck in neutral. Like they don't know yeah. like how to take the next step forward. And you hope to bring it. Um, by the way, what do you think of to bring 40 goals or no? I think he gets back close to there. I like him with Larkin a lot. I think Larkin is yeah. really consistent. Um, I think that's a good combo. I actually like what those two might do for, for Raymond too, Lucas Raymond. Hopefully that yeah. gets him to bounce back if he's on yeah. the line. And honestly, if Rap, Robbie Fabry is healthy, he's another um, sixty-point guy potentially. Yeah, um, like I think um, we could say the same. Like Ottawa, Buffalo, Detroit—they're all kind of yeah. roughly around the same spot. They just need some better defense and some saves. Um, we'll see if they get it. Okay, rank those three teams real quick. Uh, so from first Buffalo, to third, I'd yeah. go Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit. If I okay, to, what would you say? I'd say Ottawa, Buffalo, Detroit. Really, you think I was ahead of Buffalo? Okay. Yes, I do. I do. I think Jake Sanderson's the the tips the scales. But anyway, speaking of defense, um, interesting enough, we don't know for sure yet. But Mort Sider is on power play one for sure. But there's also the prospect of uh, Gosses Bear being on power play one with him. So running two D. First, do you think that's going to stick? And two, does that make Shane Gosses Bear draftable now? If it sticks, it does. Um, I don't know if it's going to stick. Obviously, a lot of teams kind of flirt with that idea, but it, it kind of comes and goes. They they did it earlier this week, and it mm-hmm. worked well. Gosses Bear got two power play assists, and Sider got a power play goal in a game um, earlier this week. So it looked good then. Um, Gosses Bear is pretty good in points leagues. Like He's pretty steady yeah. there. If he gets power play time, he's really effective. Um, and Sider kind of you know, didn't have as good of a year last year as he did in his rookie season. So maybe there's a crack there for, for Gossespa to get in. But if it, if it works for them, I could see them, I could see them sticking with it. I think Cider right now is being overlooked in banger leagues. I think oh, he's so, I think he's so good in the hits and blocks. Combo. It's like 200 each. Plus yeah. you throw in power play one time. Plus you throw in 25 minutes a night. Plus you throw in all the additions they made and hopefully they turn out. And this guy potentially in banger leagues is a top 10 D. Yeah, because last year everyone really was frustrated that his offense took a half a step back, but he's yeah. so good in the hits and blocks that it's not a, it's not a huge deal unless it yeah. unless it really sort of collapses on him offensively. But yeah, like you said, those those defenders or, or any player that can get you know triple digit hits and blocks are super valuable. Speaking of defensemen, let's move on to the Florida Panthers because I think this is really interesting. Brandon Montour, Aaron Ekblad, both out. Both played on power play one. The assumption was that Gustav Forsling steps in and takes your spot. So in leagues where you've already maybe done your draft, Forsling probably got drafted higher than he normally would because you assume that he's going to be the quarterback. However, Oliver ekman Larson is taking that spot. Now, do you think that's just them trying things out? Or do you think there's some legit, you know chance that OEL starts on power play one and stays there until Montour and Ekblad come back. I think it's legit. I, I think OEL probably has more of a, a pedigree of that type For of sure. 
of situation. I think Forsling is a great steady defensive hand. He's his plus minus is always really great if your league has that category. Um, Not bad for bangers too. Yeah, he's he's steady, but I think you know Ekman Larson's probably the more offensively gifted player, even though if he hasn't showed it. In, <laughs> I was in gonna say years. like having seen him in Vancouver the past two three seasons, I was shocked because. I thought this guy was was done. Like you watch him um, carry the puck and, and pass the puck, it's not quite the same. He's making his decisions a little late. Maybe it was a confidence thing. Maybe in Florida, where there's no media pressure, where he doesn't have that big contract now that he got bought out. Maybe this is a chance to get OEL late as a sleeper, and it's hard to find good power play quarterbacks. And you look at the talent on that team up front. I mean, there's a chance he could score maybe 40 points for you. Maybe. Yeah, it's worth a shot. And if nothing else, like you can just maybe capture lightning in a bottle in the first couple months, right? Because we know yeah. Montour and Ekblad are going to miss a decent chunk of time. Um, if you're taking a late pick on them, you don't have much invested. So you can just use them for the first month or two. And if those guys come back and he gets bumped down and the offense dries up, you just move on and, and drop them. So I think it's a good bet to make. Even if Montour was healthy, I had factor a, grit, a regression for him this season as well. Did you yeah. have that? Yeah. A little bit for sure. I think any, I think any sort of, not that his season was completely out of nowhere, but when you yeah. have that type of year, it's, it's tough to duplicate. And I think, especially when you go all the way to the finals, that's a, a long kind of grueling run that always takes a toll in the early part of next season. So yeah, I had a little bit of a regression for him. Moving on to the back end again, goalie talk. Uh, Spencer Knight is back, um, took some time off to deal with OCD issues. Um, he's back and healthy, backing up Sergei Bobrovsky. We've been waiting for Spencer Knight to break out and take over the starting job. Does that happen this season? Finally. I mean, you keep calling something. It's pro it's bound to happen, right? Like you with the Bruins and their regression. Yeah, we'll hit it right at some point. <laughs> but I think Knight is interesting. He, Like you said, for years, he seemed like that perfect fit. Um, I think, unfortunately, now the you know, something's working against them. Our Bobrovsky's coming off a really great playoff run. I, I don't obviously expect him to carry that yeah. forward for, for the whole season. I, I think he's definitely still someone that you know could have his job taken from him even though he's you know making an obscene amount of money and they're probably not going to want to just relegate him to backup duty so but i think knight can get a lot of starts in there i think the other issue is we talked about obviously ekblad and montour being out that's mm -hmm. not ideal for a young goalie probably to start the season um so how much is that gonna gonna impact things but yeah i think you mean you don't trust mike riley <laughs> yeah not as not as much um but you know knight's knight's got some talent um i, I think it's just For a sure. case of you know that's that's the guy that you could probably have very late in drafts or even off waivers maybe um mm -hmm. as somebody you know you could look to if you're kind of going the bargain goalie route but he's definitely an interesting option yeah, for zero G option, I, I think for sure. And I just want to mention too, like, was Bobrovsky good in the playoffs? I thought he was good for like a round, maybe two, maybe one and a half he, rounds. But he was pretty good. He was pretty good. Like he was excellent <laughs> rounds two and three, and yeah, he was yeah. he was great and a little bit of round one. But yeah, he that's that's the sort of the book on him is he can't really sustain it. So you yeah. know he's he runs hot well. and cold. Yeah, yeah, for a couple of weeks and then he's gonna lose it. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully that offense bails him out. Uh, speaking of offense, uh, is are the Habs going to have any offense beyond <laughs> Caulfield and Suzuki? Like to to me, those two guys are worth drafting in fantasy. 
Yep. But the, the ceiling is capped because they don't help, have help around him. And the only guy who can really has a chance of being elite is Cole Caulfield. And that's from goals, right? He's not going to be a big point yeah. producer, but he's going to score a lot of goals. But beyond that, is there anyone else you like on that roster? Not particularly. I, I think whoever, if somebody claims that uh, spot with Caulfield and Suzuki, I think they'd be worth streaming or rostering. I, I think we saw that with Kirby Doc last year. He yep. had some success um, last season in that spot. I think they're trying on a lot of different players with those two guys now. Alex Newhook's played a lot there in the mm-hmm. preseason, um, which I didn't think they would, would go that route, but we'll see. They might even play like Sean Monaghan there a little bit. Um, so I think if somebody kind of claims that spot and that line stays healthy, that person would probably be worth rostering. But, but does really, that person stick? You know, that's the like, thing. It's really tough to draft that that person. I have a feeling it could it's probably gonna be Doc. Yeah, more often I, than, I more Doc often would than be not. my <laughs> So if you're gonna like I, I did rank Doc um late in my in my two fifty. Um same. I, I think he's yeah. yeah, I think he's probably draftable very late but um he's the only guy i could see up front um we still need to see more from slavkovsky um, <laughs> second line right wing like yeah i, I feel like slavkovsky maybe needs to go to the minors again <laughs> just probably. to get the playing time it's no there's no point montreal's headed to the lottery again like yeah there's no rush there's no rush for him so but i also get a little concerned when i see this these power forwards acclimate themselves to the game so late i almost feel like maybe physically they're mature but maybe they're that's it like mentally the the reads aren't there technically the skill isn't quite there yet so i mean even in the keeper league i try i have trouble justifying drafting someone like slavkovsky yeah he's a bit more of an unknown and i think with that draft um it was clearly like there was not a generational talent at the top of that draft, um, you know, Montreal just liked him above a couple of the other guys. And, and that's, that's cool. But I, I think it might take him a little bit longer to, to get acclimated. I don't know if he's going to turn out to be an elite player. He might just be a solid NHL and and that's fine. But right now it's hard to justify um, investing a lot of in him in fantasy. Could you imagine being at like the Thrashers draft table in 2001 and being like, ah, oh, there's no one I lo- out there I like, but Patrick Stefan, he's pretty cool. Let's take him. Yeah, you kind of have to do it sometimes, right? Like you just like there's just fair enough. Of, not not the ideal consensus number one, and and they kind of went. It was even a little bit off the board yep. for them, right? Like a lot of people thought it would be Shane Wright, but yeah, um, we'll see. Where I think the Habs players will have some values on the back end. So Arbor Jackai. Uh, really great for banger leagues. I don't know if he's going to get the power play. He did uh, last season. He got a little bit. Um, I think having like there's like seven or eight defensemen vying for spots right now. Um, I don't know if he's going to be getting the points, but definitely for pims and hits, he's going to be up there. And the other one is Mike Matheson. Um, not your traditional power play quarterback, but he's almost the power play quarterback by default. And he actually was really good there. He was sneaky value last year. Um, he, he put up a lot of points in that spot. So I also, I, I did have him ranked. Um, I Me think if he's probably, again, another guy that's going to get a spot by default. Um, you know, someone's got to play, play top power play minutes. Someone's going to get <laughs> yeah. points. So it looks like it's Matheson right now. And, you know, the thing about that power play is Caulfield is kind of 
settling into that Ovechkin spot, um, mm-hmm. that, that sort of one-timer spot. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think he has the same... No, um, it's not the same shot. No, it's same not the effectiveness. Same, yeah, exactly. It's different threat. But if you're that guy that's kind of laying it over to him, and Matheson could be, that's a that's a pretty good spot to be in. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Uh, speaking of players who can return elite, uh, we talked about a little bit. Ottawa Senators. Tim Stutzler and Elias Pettersson, who would you take in a, in a draft right now? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, that's tough. It's funny because I have both of them on my team as keepers. So I actually have Jack. Hey, me too. I actually have Jack Hughes here as well. Um, but I would, it depends on your categories. I think if it's strictly points, I'm going Pedersen. If it's uh, categories, I'm going Stutzla because he has really sneaky value for hits. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, he's a much better multi-cap player. Although Pedersen is pretty underrated for things like blocks. Um, well, a lot see, of people don't factor them in for forwards, but I kind of do sometimes. But Yeah, for sure. But the thing is, Pedersen may not play penalty kill this season. Yeah, that that is a bit of a, a difference. So we'll see how yeah. that goes. But I think Stutzla is like a star in the mid. He's already there, like huge offensive numbers last year, great mm-hmm. category coverage, um, taking face-offs obviously is big. So, and, you know, if the centers are better, like, you know, you think they're, they will be, um, that could help. And they have a loaded another loaded top six again, especially if Norris yeah. stays healthy this year. So that's really bodes well for Stutzla. Yeah. Stutzla, Jack Hughes, Elias Pettersson. I kind of put in the same kind of group. Um, I think Jack Hughes probably scores the most points, but all yeah. three centers, early twenties, number one center franchise uh, players, really good offensively. Um, right now, um, Stutzla is getting taken, uh, I think 30th. Uh, 30.2 average draft position. I feel like that's a bit low. If you're in a keeper league, that's definitely low. I, it is. I I had him right around there in my rankings, but it felt low to me too. I think the problem Mm -hmm. is, and this happens with a lot of players, like there's just nobody to bump out, right? Like Uh, people people ask me, like I had Pedersen at 17, I think. And people Mm -hmm. commented like, how do you not have him higher? And I'm like, well, who am I going to bump out? Like there's just, (laughs) it's just really, there's a lot of high end talent now, right? Like Yep. You bump out like Tage Thompson or, uh, you know, Jason Robertson. Like, like there's really, there's so many talented guys up there that yeah. it's just hard to to push like guys like Stutzla and Pedersen up, even though and Austin Matthews, yeah, Austin Matthews finished with fewer points than all of them. And yeah. arguably, I think he should rank ahead of all of them in fantasy drafts. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he still has the most. He's he's more like, talented than all of them. He's any he scores goals at a crazy pace even though yeah like, like 60 goals is hard to deny right so yeah. i mean if you look at advanced stats austin matthews beats them you know clean on any category really um sh- incredible shot volume Stutzla, that's the one thing i kind of feel that maybe that prevents him from being really elite because brady tuchuk takes so many shots yeah and <laughs> so, another thing too i guess a mild concern about Stutzla is if that top six is healthy. Like if Norris is healthy, mm. does that drop his ice time a little bit? You know, yeah. I think he played over 20 minutes a night last year. Like does mm-hmm. that come down a tad, um, which isn't ideal for fantasy, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, we kind of touched on this before. Uh, Brady Tuchuk is always a bit of a flashpoint when it comes to rankings. <laughs> in banger leagues, if he's not in your top three, you just get flamed for it on Twitter or Reddit or whatever it is. Yeah. Now, my piece is, all right, you can consider Brady Tuchuk's banger league categories. His pims and hits are super elite. And not many of those players are point-per-game players. 
But I think you always have to consider that certain categories are easier to accumulate stats in than other yeah. categories. Yeah, I think Brady Kachuk. So I don't want to go on this rant because this <laughs> we, we can have a podcast for three hours on this. Um, but I think stay tuned. Yeah, I, I think this um, as far as Brady Kachuk goes, I don't like the term banger leagues. I like multi cat leagues just because I think when people hear banger leagues, they get so focused on hits, and mm-hmm. it, and it depends on your scoring system. But yeah, agreed. I had this argument with somebody. On Twitter, um, they thought I had Jack Hughes too high and Brady Kachuk should have been in that spot. But mm. in my head, the way I'm scoring things is if you're in a head-to-head league where you get a point for it, like winning a category each week, let's say, right? So you've got, let's say you've got eight categories. You've got goals, assists, uh, points, power play points, shots, uh, blocks, hits, and pins. So if you're ranking Jack Hughes and Brady Kachuk, Yes, Brady Kachuk will get 10,000 more hits than Jack Hughes, but Jack Hughes is going to be Brady Kachuk in five of those eight categories, right, all day long. So, mm-hmm. like, if if you have Brady Kachuk and I have Jack Hughes, we have one player each on our roster, we play each other in a week, I'm beating you 5-3 five, five, every single week, right? doesn't matter that you beat me, you know, by 10,000 hits in the hit category, right? Unless, again, unless you're talking, like, a rotisserie league over a long season and all these different factors. And if things are weighted differently, like if hits are weighted just as much as, or more than goals or whatever, that's a different story. But the way I look at it is it doesn't matter how good a guy is in one category. Like as if you have a player that's better in more categories, that's, that's the guy I would want. And, and what makes Brady Chuck so good is, is he is a, a good offensive talent. He does shoot the puck really well, obviously, but to me, he's never going to be more than like an 80 to 85 point guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually, you know how many blocks Brady Kachuk had last year? Nine, nine, nine blocked shots. So uh-huh. he's not good for block shots. Like Jack uh-huh. Hughes had uh, twice as many block shots as Brady Kachuk. So he doesn't block any shots. Um, I just think he's a great, he's a top 10 banger league player, top 15 banger league player, but I don't have him in my, in my top five. I'd still rather a guy, an elite offensive player that's going to fill more categories. Unless your categories are like goals, pims, and hits, then and shots, then yeah, maybe Brady Kachuk is like ranked first. But to me, he's a bit lower. Sorry, I think ten. That was a long-winded, <laughs> long-winded. Reach. No, that's good. That's good. I think ten thousand hits is a bit of a reach, but I get your point. Well, he yeah, he's going to have a lot more hits than yeah you know, some of yeah. the higher end offense. I mean, to your point, I, I do agree. If it's a roto league, I think it's kind of different. But I think yeah. in hockey now, I think head-to-heads more popular. In yeah. my longtime Roto League, Brady Chuck is super valuable. Um, yeah. But I, I do think if you, points is just hard to get because there's only so many players who can score like 100 points in the league. Right. Um, same with power play points. And I feel like sometimes when you're down on blocks or hits, you can easily pick up like a Nick DeLaurier. Or... Yeah, I was literally, I was literally <laughs> and I literally used that example online. I was about to say his name. Like you can grab a Nick DeLaurier who's going to yeah. give you a ton of hits. You can't grab a a 50 goal scorer on, yeah. on waivers in, in yeah. March, it's not going to happen. Right? There are times where like on a Sunday and I'm way behind in hits and there maybe it's like an Islanders versus Pittsburgh game. And I'd be like, automatically Clutterbrook and Matt Martin are going to do something. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You so, can get that volume. Yeah. Agreed. So um, Brady check always a flashpoint, always a really interesting debate in fantasy hockey, especially in banner leagues. Now, moving on to the Tampa Bay Lightning. This is the biggest news of the preseason, I'd say. Andre Vasilevsky out eight to 10 weeks uh, recovering from back surgery. Now, 
usually on any other team, you'd be like, oh, well, okay, a backup can come in for two months and, you know, the Lightning can stay afloat. The problem is the Tampa Bay Lightning have one of the worst goalies as a backup, Jonas Johansson. <laughs> They're cap strapped. They can't really do a whole lot. Do you now? Vasilevsky, if you drafted him, he's an easy stash. But if you haven't had your draft, how do you value Vasilevsky? Where do you draft him now? I think that's the big question. Yeah, I was thinking about that today, and I think it's kind of interesting. He almost becomes like our good value option slash uh, stash opportunity, right? Because he's probably going to go further down in drafts than he, mm -hmm. you know, they normally would. Obviously, going to drop a few rounds because of the injury. Um, but if you look at the timeline, he's probably going to be back before Christmas. Um, that's not super long and he gets more rest, right? Like that's, mm -hmm. that's what he needs. He's played, he's gone deep into the, he had gone deep into the playoffs for three straight years before last year with, you know, condensed schedules, short summers. Like he had played a ton of hockey. He goes out early in the playoffs last year. Now he's going to get, I know he's dealing with an injury, but he's going to get some physical rest here. He's not going to start playing hockey until mid December. He's probably a great, a great guy if you're going you can go sort of grab him maybe in the you know i don't know sixth seventh round now maybe yeah stash him and then you go zero g and you hope that he gives your team a boost after the first tier of goalies uh like runs dry or empties i think that's where you should take vasilevsky because yeah. that middle class of like uh, somewhat okay starters. Maybe they're good, but on a bad team or bad yeah. on a good team with a lot of wins. That's when you take Vasilevsky. My question is, you know, how long when he comes back is he going to be the Vasilevsky we know? I think that's a risk. And the other thing is, if you're hunting for goalies right now, I don't even know if you draft Jonas Johansson, but because I don't think he's going to take the reins necessarily. But I also look at the cap situation and I go, you know what? I don't even know if they can do anything else. Like maybe bring in Brian Elliott or Yaroslav Halak, but I think their options are tied. And if I have a hole in my roster at the end of the draft and I have the last pick, I might go out on a limb and just take Jonas Johansson. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's going to be one of the goalies. I don't I, I don't even believe that Tampa was going to go into the season with him as their backup. I always thought I was shocked too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always thought they were going to claim someone um on waivers. I think they they're still going to claim someone at the league minimum. There's some guys out there that um teams are going to try and sink through waivers. Martin Jones, uh Well, Spencer Martin just got yeah. yeah, Martin just got scooped up. But there's some goalies like um like there's Alex Leon in, in Detroit. Like, is he going to make it through? Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple other guys out there that they could just take a chance on. But yeah, it does feel like um, Johansson is going to get some playing time there. He just has been so inconsistent. And he's even played in places like Colorado. where <laughs> No, he's consistently bad. That's yeah, what he like, is. Yeah, we can just say it. But, there, but, you know, he's played in some good spots where he hasn't shown, you know, to, to be able to put up good numbers. And, you mm -hmm. know, we talked a bit about the Bruins. Like at some point, how, how concerned do you get about the lightning? You know, they've lost so mm -hmm. much of their, their depth, right? Like Gord's gone, Palat's gone, Kalorn's gone, McDonough, Ruda, like all these guys are, have been shipped down. They really haven't replaced them with anybody other than kind of, you know, league minimum guys. Um, I know that Tanner Janos come in, but that went, looked pretty bad last year. So we'll see. And, and their, their core is aging, right? Like Kucherov, yep. Damkos, Hedman, like they're. Damkos' situation is going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah.
because I, I do think it's a bit of a slap in the face that they haven't talked about the extension and, and you guys in contract years, I, I do believe in that where like there's a little extra juice in there. And, and Stamkos is to me is one of the most driven players coming back from broken leg and doing what he does. Um, when he had the playoff run where he came back for one shift and scored a goal, like this guy is willpower to the max. So it'll be really interesting. Yeah. Like they have to make some, Tough calls, obviously, right? Yeah. Like, he, you know, do they want to spend a lot of money on, on what is he, 33, 34 now? That's yep. going to tie up a lot of cap space with the new deal. But, yeah, so I think if you are looking at Johansson, you kind of have to temper it and say, how good are the Lightning going to be this year? Are they going to be a, a top three team in the division again? Or are they going to be kind of more fighting for a spot, especially with Vasilevsky out now? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough call. Real quick, uh, best bulls, best goaltending prospect in their pipeline is Hugo Onefelt. Do you take him as a sleeper, deep sleeper, or no? Like, I'm looking at his – I've seen him play a little bit and looking at his stats. I'm not convinced this guy's ready yet. Like, you might as no. well play Jonas Johansson. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not gonna take a gamble on him. I also don't think that's Tampa's style. If you look at the backups they've used, it's Brian Elliott, it's Curtis <laughs> Curtis McElhaney. They like, they like Anyone veterans over there. Yeah, yeah. They, they, like, they like veterans there. I'm not convinced they're just going to turn things over to him. Um, I yeah. think they're going to try and bring in another another veteran to compete. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, last team on the list. This is a really interesting one and everyone's favorite team. <laughs> not Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> um, first thought about William Leenander as the third line center. Uh, I don't love it for fantasy if you've got Nylander. Um, mm. He's... Actually, I think that boosts Tavares' value a little bit more, no? Uh, I don't know. Like, if you look at it, so splitting them up, I think it hurts both of them because who's Fair new? Who's new? I can see they're going to play with on the third line. Like, the strength of that that sort of core four is that they're always playing with one another. So if you split up those guys, I mean, Nylander's maybe playing with Max Yarn- Domi. Max Domi's Max Domi the one and Yarncroak. Um, and Tavares yeah. is going to have Matthew Nyes and. I don't know who else right now. The Leafs four groups a bit well, in flux. So if anything, it boosts Matthew Nyes because then he's playing top six next to Tavares. I yeah. mean, it'd be great if it was Tavares, Nyes, and Nylander. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. <laughs> like it doesn't make it, like it's it's pretty bad for fantasy. And and Nylander's played center in a limited capacity. They tried it um, in the playoffs a couple times when Kadri was suspended way back. Uh, it was a disaster. <laughs> um, to me, he's a winger. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting too. Like it's a contract year for the guy. So I don't know if I'd want to be risking a position change. And if it goes poorly, it might, and his, his numbers are probably going to go down if he stays as the third line center. Like I don't, I don't see him getting 40 goals and 80 points as the third line center, even though he's going to get that top power play time still, but. But wouldn't you add more value if you can show you can play center? If it goes well. Yeah. I yeah. guess, I guess he's a confident guy betting on himself, but I don't know. They're, they're talking about it. Like it's, gonna stick and they're really gonna try it this year my guess is by american thanksgiving he's, he's back on <laughs> tavares's wing and i think i think domi's gonna be that third line center eventually but we'll see yeah we'll see because to me this is another team that's kind of short on quality centers to me domi's not a center i've seen him play center he's not a center um he's a real he's an empty calorie points player um i think he's got some skill i think him and Nylander are paired together because they showed well in the preseason but i mean if they, if they both score like Let's say Domi scores 60 points and Leander does his thing. I mean, your plus minus, I feel like, is still going to be shot. Like, net, net, net. I feel like they're going to get scored on a lot as well. Yeah, like, Nylander is never going to be accused of being a, a good defensive first player. <laughs> Neither is um, Domi. No, I think Domi is so overrated. I don't, I, I don't 
like Domi at center, and I think the Leafs would yeah, rather play him at wing. But if you look at their center depth, that's that's why Nylander's at center because after mm-hmm. Tavares, it's it's David Camp and you know Pontus Holmberg or hey, two point four million Dillon, for David Camp, Gabriel. man. Yeah, so I almost think it's going to have to be either Domi or Nylander on the third line. Um, mm. I'm sure that maybe they'll add somebody by the deadline or who knows. But Okay, fair enough. Good. Fair enough. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, real quick. Uh, top line left wing replaces Michael Bunting. Does he produce or does he produce more than Bunting? Uh, I think right about the same pace. I think he's more talented than Bunting, uh, more mm. skilled. I think the, the question for him will be health. Can he just stay healthy? Um, if he stays healthy, I think he can get maybe 30 goals with Matthews and Marner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, next question real quick. Joey Wool, is he a zero G option? I think I have a different opinion of this than you, but okay. you go I, ahead. First. I think he is. I, I okay. think he really is. I think Samsonov, I like him a lot, but he's never played more than 44 games in a season. I don't see him starting 60 plus times this year. He's had a little bit of inconsistency, a little bit of injuries. I kind of compare Wall to uh Stuart Skinner last year in a mm-hmm. similar spot. I think I think there will be opportunity for him there. Not saying he runs with it or, or it works out, but I just think like there's a good opportunity for him. Mm-hmm. And if you're taking a bet on a guy, um that's a guy I would just take a chance on and, and if it doesn't work out you just drop him. Yeah, fair enough. As a late round option, I do like Joey Wool because he's shown well. He plays on a good team. He's gonna get the wins no matter yeah. what. The argument I have is uh, Ilya Samsonov. Um, I think this is the season where he like really reaches the upper tier of fantasy goalies because I do think he's going to get s- roughly 60 starts. Wow. I, and on that team, that's 30-plus wins easy. I, I do think he's going to play really well. I have Samsonov in like the upper tier but in the lower end of that group. Um, but certainly I feel like I would take Samsonov over someone like Thatcher Demko. Or even Jacob Markstrom. Uh, yeah, I probably would too. I don't think like I don't think that's a hot take by you, but it's quite warm. Okay. I think it's quite warm. <laughs> Six sixty starts is for Samson. That's not a hot take. Yeah, I don't think that's a hot take either. I, I feel warm. like that's reasonable. Uh, I mean, how many guys start sixty games? It's not many. So not many, but just... around sixty games. A couple guys. Yeah, like, definitely at least uh 10 to 12 i'm thinking off the top of my head but i think i'm pretty sure around 10 guys played 60 games last year right so it's that's less than a third of the league it's not impossible i think the least would love it if he did but that's why i like wool i just think the odds of that seem mm-hmm. slim to me but we'll see okay fine We'll see who gets uh, exposed on Cold Takes Exposed. <laughs> Both of us will at some point. <laughs> yeah, it's fantasy hockey. Who yeah. knows what's going to happen? All right. Uh, befitting of our podcast name, Sleeper and Keeper Time. You go first. Uh, so we just talked about him. Uh, Wool is my sleeper. I think he has a good chance to to make an impact. And my keeper is Devin Levi. I think... I'm not convinced he's going to have a massive amount of value this year, though he might. But I think um, the Sabres are going to be really good very soon. And I think he's going to be their goalie. So that's why I keep him. Uh, my keeper, uh, we mentioned him briefly, Matthew Dyes. Um, I think playing second line with Tavares is going to really help. I wish Nylander was on that line. That would be great. Um, I have a second keeper. Uh, this is kind of deep, but Zach Benson on the Sabres Ooh. is really impressed uh, by how he's been playing so far. Um, I think he's got a lot of elite talent. 
that the Sabres could use. I'm excited to see this team in action. There hasn't been this much optimism since the Drew and Bruyere days, and that team was was fun to watch as well. Uh, my sleeper, we touched on him, Josh Norris, uh, second line center for the Sens, uh, is getting overlooked because he had that shoulder surgery last year and missed a whole bunch of time. I think um, as deep as the Sens top six is, especially on the wings, I can see Norris being a 30-goal scorer again. Um, probably around 60 points, but 30 goals is tough to find. So Nizen and Norris are my picks. I like Norris. It's a good call. Thank you. You have good calls too. Pretty good. I think you know what you're talking about. Sometimes. <laughs> 50% of the time. <laughs> well, that's not too bad. You know, if you bump it to 51%, then you're more right than wrong. So there you go. <laughs> Anyway, that does it for this episode of the Sleepers and Keepers podcast. Thank you to Michael Spicer for the intro and outro music. You can connect with Michael and I on Twitter at JasonChen16 or at Amato underscore Mike or X if you want to call it. Uh, Thank you for listening. Subscribe and follow and give us a like. New episodes drop every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Thanks for listening.